This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Lou Roberts. This is Tyrese Campbell. And you're listening to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. We're going to jump straight in. Obviously, we've got quite a few things that have been going on recently um, that we want to really cover. Obviously, the season so far and the last run of results. Um, I think, you know, we'll probably touch on Alex Neal and his, you know, where he is at the minute and people's viewings of the guys, you know, the guys and girls who are on here tonight. Um, so that'll definitely be something I'll probably touch on. Uh, but first of all, we have made a new signing. Now, obviously, these spaces were quite synonymous with our summer signings, weren't they? Yeah, when we had one, we would jump on at the night and we'd discuss the, uh, yeah, the the new signings that day. So, this week we have uh, made the in-season signing, the free transfer of Kyron Clark, a 34-year-old centre-half, a uh, deal till the end of the season. He's got 34 caps for Republic of Ireland. Uh, by the way, he was England. He was uh, played and captained England up to under twenty level. By the way, before he switched to Ireland, <laughs> uh, but he played one hundred and fifty nine games for Aston Villa in the Premier League. He played one hundred and twenty nine matches for Newcastle, eighty in the Premier League, thirty four in the Championship, as well as some cup ones. Uh, and he also played for Sheffield United last season, which was his second automatic promotion from this division after also being promoted in twenty sixteen seventeen with Newcastle. Uh, scored 25 career goals, so he does know where the back of the net is for a centre-half as well. Mike, after that sort of brief sort of thought process, uh, happy with the signing, mate? Do you think he'll contribute to what we need? I mean, mate, with one hell of a background, let, let's be honest. I mean, you, know, you can't really argue with someone who's got that type of a career, you know, again, international level, but also at club level as well. I mean, let, let, let's be honest here. I mean, Jagielka was probably one of the most senior defenders we've had in recent times. We've had a lot of young centre-backs, a lot of people who were there to kind of prove themselves. Obviously, Ben Wilmot getting injured was a, a massive, massive blow. Uh, whether you think Ben was an amazing defender or not, at the end of the day, he's certainly been a consistent performer uh, over the last couple of seasons. Something that you can say it hasn't been the case actually with our current crop of players. So uh, me, Dan, I think it's a, it's a bit of a no-brainer. I mean, I do wonder how the deal came about, if I'm honest, because obviously we were interested in him several weeks ago 
and it makes me think whether the current injuries we've, we've probably had, maybe it's forced our hand a little bit. You know, it wouldn't have been cheap in terms of wages. So maybe it's the case that it's, you know, we've gone back to him and said, look, we're, we're willing to, to maybe up our offer a little bit for you uh, and, and increase what we're willing to offer him. And then he signed the deal. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it was something along those lines. But for me, Dan, he's a he's a centre-back. Let's hope he can stay fit. <laughs> That'd be nice if we could actually not get injured for once. Um, so, yeah, if he stays fit, he's got experience. He can help, uh, you know, marshal the back line. I think it's just it's just a player and another body in the building that I think we're desperate for. And, you know, 34 years old, people think, oh, you're past it. But, no, I think it just means that he's really experienced. I mean, Jags was, what, 40? Was he when he played the last game for us? And he didn't really have a bad career, uh, well, back end of his career with us, to be honest with you. So I just think it's a really good, solid signing. Um, and when Wilmot's back at some point, I wouldn't be overly surprised to to see uh, Kyron Clark finish up the season with Ben Wilmot next to him. Because I don't know about you, I think, you know, the Rose has certainly been poor. Uh, McNally has, has grown, but still isn't convincing for me. So I think uh, he's, I think he's an improvement personally. Yeah, it's interesting you say about McNally there as well because I think he excelled at Coventry last year, but he did he had a bit of a a bit, a bit of a leader next to him, didn't he? A bit of a dominant centre half, and you think if Kyron Clark can be that kind of player for us, it may bring the best out of Luke McNally as well. Um, I think uh, obviously the fact he's left-footed means we get some natural balance as well in the back line. Um, you've got a right. Obviously, you'd imagine it's McNally or um, Wilmot. You know, so you've got your right-footed centre half, and then you've got a left-footed centre half as well. Um, so that's. I mean, I think there was one stage, wasn't there, um, where we had junior. I was against. It was um, the, the home game on the Southampton game. I'm sure at one point we had four right-footed defenders. In the back four, which is isn't the greatest, does it? For when you like, say you're doing a bit of trying to do a bit of balance in the side. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've got a sort of comments here. So uh, Kieran uh, Kieran Downs ninety six says a decent free signing for the championship, uh, needy because the injuries in that position, which I think pretty much sums up, doesn't it? It's it's a necessity. We we couldn't have carried on without without bringing somebody in. It had, you know, we had to make a move for someone. Um, I've seen people saying about, you know, why has nobody else signed him up? Or, um, you know, he's on a free transfer and he's, it, why were wages an issue if he didn't have a club? Well, to me, the guy knows his worth and he's held out for more money, hasn't he? Or held out for what he feels he's worth as a an experienced Premier League footballer. And... That you know, in the end of the day, Stoke have now got the situation where they are willing to pay that money because you know, the, the the benefit of bringing him in is you know is, is that that wage is is value for money now, whereas they maybe didn't consider that before when they had other options. I think that's a fair point. And if you think about it, the name escapes me now. I've said it that many times in the past, the name escapes me. The chap that we wanted uh, from Man United who got released and has gone to Ipswich. Twan I don't even. Twanzebe, thank you very much. So, uh, yeah, the, the fact that he, I don't believe, has barely kicked a ball for Ipswich uh, from a few comments I saw the other day. Uh, you know, it goes it goes to show that, you know, people wanted us to, to take a gamble on him at some point and, and look what's happened to him. So I think the fact that we didn't take the gamble, you can, you can look back and go, oh, you know, we should have 
we should have signed him. You know, as a as a free free player, we should have done this, should have done that. I think it showed that the club actually made the right decision there. We weren't going to go and blow an absolute fortune on a player that, as has proven, is not going to be able to play. Um, but yeah, Dan, I think again, I think it's a I think it's a really good signing. You mentioned about McNally and bringing him on. Um, yeah, I, I think when the thing with McNally, I think when he's actually been playing alongside. You know, obviously Ben Wilmot. I think it's probably no coincidence that he's got a little bit more consistent. I thought, you know, the, the previous game there was a few good tackles he put in there. Uh, you know, some some actual goal saving tackles um, at, at some at some points. So I don't think he's been bad. He, he's certainly been in and out of the team, but that doesn't help anyone. It doesn't make a difference if your position, whether you're centre back, forward, right away, makes no odds. If you're in and out of the team every five minutes with different players on the left, different players on the right, you know, you mentioned having four right footers. And and yeah, it's it almost at times feels a bit like a I swear under Pulis we had this at one point. We had, I know I know we always played centre backs in every single position. Um but you know again it it's not a natural place to be. We've always struggled. We've struggled for years to have a naturally, you know, left-sided centre-back. So as long as he can stay fit, it's a no-brainer deal. Um, whether he stays on beyond this season is another thing. Um, but that time will tell, I suppose. I suppose the, the thing with whether he stays on beyond this season as well is he, we aren't thinking long-term with this signing, are we? We can't... Not every signing you have to be looking four or five years worth of, of, of football out of them. Like we've got enough young lads and enough of a team to develop and and grow over the next eighteen months, two years, three years. That you know, in this instance, we just need somebody for now. And we, you know, if if we had six months, it might even be that we get to January, we bring somebody else in. It's like, oh well, yeah, cheers, Karen. You can stick around till the end of the season, but you're probably not going to play that much now. But thanks for the last three months or so. It might even be that situation, but right now, he definitely needed. <laughs> I don't think. I, just like I say, we, I don't think we can get until Christmas with um, with Josh Lauren and uh, Jordan Thompson in defence, can we? No, and for all the stick that, um, obviously, you know, well, I don't want to keep jumping on it on his back. You know, we we already put a video out about, um, obviously, his sentiment feeling points and uh, and all that side of things. I think he actually had a pretty decent ish time playing at centre back instead of midfield role. So, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to to see what happens, obviously, with, with with him there. But no, for me, mate, like I said, it's it's a no it's a no brainer deal. Uh we if we can bring him in, get some of the young you know, younger players up to speed and he's a bit of a stopgap, that will do. I think this season I know it's a long season, we're still very early on and we'll probably come to the fixtures in a bit, but um we can probably rule out a top a top six place for me. Uh, this is about being as strong as we can for the rest of this season, finding a team hopefully that can stay fit for more than five minutes, um, and then if we can finish in the top ten and go again next season, that's probably where we're kind of looking at at this point. Uh, but we, we can we can come back to that. We can. I think you know, there's not really much else we can sort of say about this signing, is it? We've we've sort of touched on it there and. Um, if anyone has got any more comments you can drop them in the box we can always come back to them uh, but yeah I think it's probably now a good time just to just to move into obviously the season so far um, do I give you a, I'll give you a few bullet points um, 
So we're 21st in the league. Did one place above the relegation zone, obviously not ideal. <laughs> uh, just a one clean sheet, one win in eight games, uh, which was when we came back from 2-0 down away at Bristol City. Uh, those are obviously the negatives. They are, you know, they, they are obviously right in front of your eyes. Facts, they aren't good. How much of that can be down to the fact that you know, we brought goals in the summer. You know, Vidigal's injured. May by Ryan May's injured. Tyrese Campbell's injured. Um, so the you know, how much of an attacking threat have we lost there? Uh, ben Wilmot is now going to be out for a while. Uh, obviously, Hoover's been injured. Ender Stevens is a massive loss at left back. We didn't think we'd be saying that at the start of the season. Is that justification for what's happening? Obviously, that can as well as the near 20 signings we've now made since the, since the uh, the beginning of July. It, it, Mike, in your eyes, is, is that justification for, for where we are in the league? I don't think you could say anything else, can you? You, you, you go and take 10 players out of any, any squad in this division um, and you'll see the impact that that has. We, we've Again, we've used the word gel and we moved past gel and they've had time to do that in theory. But... How, how many consistent back-to-back first 11s have we had this season? Uh, I'd love to actually look into this just to see how, how the continuity side of things. I, I reckon we haven't been able to field the same 11 for more than two games. Uh, I'd be shocked if it's any more than that. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, take 10 players out of any... Take 10 players out of Leicester's team. Let's see how they, let's, let's see how they do. They, they'll struggle as well. You, you, you can't ignore that, and, and, and you know, whether you like Alex Neal, whether you believe in him or not, um, you can't you can't deny the fact that you've taken out loads of the attacking flair. The one striker who is bloody lethal. Let's be honest. Every time Vidigal gets the gets the ball to his feet, every shot he has pretty much goes in first time. Those types of strikers are like gold dust. I hope he carries on when that when he comes back, and no doubt he will be back after the international break, which is brilliant. Um, but those are the games. You look at Watford, like it, that was a tight game. There was some poor defending at times from us, but also you know chances where there were few and far between for both teams. Vidigal pops up in it with pretty much one of his only chances, and you know half volleys it into the net. That one little bit of quality wins you a game. The problem is. Vidigal goes out of the team. We've got no other strikers at this point who are, you know, continually playing well. Tyrese Campbell is extremely off form. That Preston game I refer back to, he could have been there for three hours. The guy would not have scored a goal. Like, he's completely out of form. So you take him out of the equation, who has been, you know, relatively consistent for goals or assists over the last few years. So what does that leave us with? Ryan May barely kicked a game in, in English football. Uh, you know, he he didn't really start all that well. And then he had, you know, a couple of decent games, decent, you know, game in the cup uh, where he linked up really well, some good assists and goals. Um, and then again, he gets injured as well. So then what are we left with? Haksabanovic. I don't think he'd even played a game at this point, I don't think, from from when he signed for us, uh, when they got injured. So yeah, you've then got a player who's <laughs> playing with somebody else who, who again, you know, Wesley... Wesley's been injured for long periods of time, Dan. Like you can't expect him to come in, and he's not a player who's going to be like Vidigal, who's going to break the lines. And you know, it, it, it's a completely we're making it up as we go along up front. Like it's it's very hard to blame the manager 
when you've got that type of situation. Okay, so we've got a couple of comments coming in. So Louis says, no justification at all on those injuries. 15 wins in 51, which is obviously a reference to Alex Neal's record as Stoke manager. Any opinion or thoughts on that? Um, I totally get what he was saying. It's a shocking flipping record. Um, And I'll fire back at you with whose team. He, he was having to make do with what he had it for a large period of that. Now, does that excuse playing five at the back at times? Absolutely not. Like some of the some of the decisions he's made from substitutions, from formations and ways he's set up, from the people like us who aren't there on the training ground, he's you've got to criticize him. I've done it several times this season. You know, the guy is not immune to criticism. So yeah, as a record he's going to have to do bloody well to improve on it because I think, yeah, Nathan Jones and co have got better records. I would definitely say that, you know, Alex still has had a large period of time where they have not been his players and he's had to make do with, quite frankly, crap. Absolute crap. It proved under O'Neill it didn't work. We've then got managers, multiple managers, players who were also crap because they, they obviously let their manager down and got them the sack. So there's an element of that and, like I said, it's it's a 50-50 down. It's an element of crap players. Alex Neal probably not understanding his best players, not sticking to his own philosophy at times. Um, so I think it's a combination of things. But, what, okay, you replace him. Let's, uh, I guess I asked the question back to him, and feel free to comment uh, you know, uh, back. But you sack Alex Neal, who to bring in. Do not mention Potter. If I see Potter's name one more time, get real. Potter will not touch Stoke with a barge pole. He is going to want a Premier League team. So forget Potter. That's just you know, absolute pie in the sky. So Rooney, I wouldn't want Rooney either. Uh, he, right. he do, the guys failed in a couple of places now. Uh, he did well at Derby when they had a siege mentality. So for me, Rooney wasn't the answer either. Unless you can give me a, a better manager, a proven better manager of promotion backs and stuff like that, I'm struggling to see why you'd sack him right now. Chili beans on that one. We're coming back to we're coming back to that later. That's that's on the agenda. Don't worry. <laughs> of, uh, you know, who are we going to go to if 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 that if if that does happen? If the club do decide to do that, then who are people thinking are better options? Um, I'm sort of leaning to what you were sort of hinting at there around. Do you who is better out there? But right now, we'll touch on that later. So. Um, another thing, obviously, another comment here. Interesting. Nigel Warren says, "Is selling Jacob Brown, who gave us energy, is it going to bite us on the backside uh, because we've looked a little lacklustre since?" Uh, I can definitely see what Nigel's saying there. Would you see he, Jacob sort of led the press so well, didn't he? And sort of the you know, used to drag the other forwards with him, if you like, and then obviously the midfield followed. And I do, yeah, I think we probably. Um, it has hurt our pressing game, having no Jacob Brown. This might be quite a um, short answer for me. I, I actually agree with you. I, I don't think he would have scored as the goals. I think that was one thing that Jacob really struggled at times. Um, you know, no, nobody was really sorry to see him go, if I remember rightly. I mean, for his effort and his work rate, he's a Johnny Walters mark too. Like, you cannot fault that guy's effort at any point during his Stoke career for me. 
But at the end of the day, he wasn't a consistent goal scorer, and that's what you want from a striker. So to try and replace him wasn't a bad idea. Yes, okay, in hindsight, you would say we want the bodies on the pitch. We want options. He's an experienced championship striker at the very least or a championship player, whether he plays on the wing or what he does. So I think, yeah, an answer to your question in hindsight, yeah, probably would have been best to keep him. But you can't stand in the guy's way when a Premier League team, even if it is Luton, who are going to come back down. You can't stand in his way because... I think, let's face it, if Luton hadn't come calling, nobody would have said he was going to the Premier League. No, it's an opportunity for him that he may not have got. If he didn't take that Luton chance, it's not like there would have been a string of other clubs after him, you know, this summer, next summer, the year after, whatever. Um, So, Chris Wallace has got a couple of messages. So, he says, it's early doors yet. Edna is a big, big miss at left-back. Best new signing for me. Uh, Loren being our captain is a joke though uh, he also says we need the fans back it's like a library there's no large flags why no clapper things for the family ends for the kids why no songs for each and every player like in the Prem days um, I think the act is, I think the, the atmosphere is starting to come I feel like there is a little bit of a connection going between the fans and the players. And I think the fact, for me, there is no songs for, for players is because the fans, rightly or wrongly, just haven't cared about the set of players that we've had for the last few years. I think they've been very sort of disconnected with them. And there's, you know, there's not been that sort of love, if you like, for you know, between the, uh, the fan base and then the players on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, spot on. I, I, I agree with you. I actually think it has been better this season, especially for those first few games, you know, where we're playing while we're scoring goals. I'd argue that it's probably the noisiest we've been in, yeah, probably three or four seasons. Like, the, there's actually people singing, there's creating songs. I, you know, we joked on, on the pod before, Dan, that sometimes this stadium has been like a morgue, and I stand by that forever like since we've got relegated first season back down the fans were great you know we obviously were um we were really passionate we were loud and then everyone realized oh crap this isn't as easy as we think and it's been downhill year after year after year and you can't you know even the club they can't turn around and expect you know go all oh, get behind us everybody when they've been battered for year after year of crap performances managers who didn't know what they were doing People changing their mind on their philosophy every five minutes, not scoring goals, mercenaries coming out in the press. You know, the the connection of the days, okay, I mentioned it. Think about the connection we had to the to the Tony Pulis days when we first went up. It was the siege mentality. Everyone hated us and we loved it. Does, does anyone give a toss about Stoke right now? Probably not. Um, I don't think some Stoke fans do either. And that's not their fault. We, we've we got owners who have backed managers, rightly or wrongly, depending on your opinion. And, you know, it's going to take time to rebuild that, Dan. So until we start having better performances, we win games, we finish up all bloody 16th for once, that'd be nice. Until that happens, it's not something you can force. But I definitely think the fans have been better this season. I don't think there's there's any doubt about that. The away fans, as always, are brilliant. Liam, Liam Burke, you, you want to have a chat with me? You've come, opened your mic up. Um, what do you think about what Mike's just said there and and obviously the comments that, that come in before uh, from Chris 
uh, regarding the fan base, do you, do you think it's improving or is there a long way to go yet? Um, I think it's improved slightly. I don't think it's a million miles off turning back to where it was. Well, like we saw that against Hull and against Preston. Southampton was different because the referee, I think, massively influenced it. I think the crowd really got involved then. But if the home form doesn't pick up a little bit, I could see it going back to what it was. Um, my point really is on Alex Neal. I think the thing that concerns me more than anything is he, um, he, he signed the players, he got the players in that he wanted and we're all happy with that. We beat Rotherham and we, we, beat, um, we beat West Brom. And um, we went to Ipswich away, which anybody could have tell you it was going to be a different, a difficult game. Didn't matter that there were League One coming up; everyone knew that they were absolutely flying. And we got well beaten comfortably. He instantly panicked. We soon went five at the back at Watford, which, like Mark said, we won. But it was Vidigal with a special finish. Let's be honest; the game was was pretty poor. And then it was five against Millwall at the back. And he changed it half time. And then we went, I think it was four against Rotherham in the cup, five against Preston at home at the back, four against Norwich away, five against Huddersfield. And it just seems like he, do, even before the injuries, I felt like he didn't know what to do with the, with the team. And I suppose now, just looking forward, if he's got, he says five players or six players are coming back. Like I, I'm not going to say if he should go or not. I don't think there's that much point to it because this is Coates' guy. He's going to stay. He's going to stay no matter what. But um, I think there's five or six players coming back from injury. If he can't pick up some kind of run of results between now and the next international window, he's really, really going to have the pressure on because I don't see the injuries as excuses, but he's kind of running out of excuses. There's only so far that the fans, after the 15 and 51 results thing come out, there's only so far fans are going to are gonna hold out. Because we're always, we see him as fans, listen to your podcast all the time. We, we reel off the fixtures going, well, that's a difficult game. This is a hard game. That's a hard game. But they all are, and all the other teams seem to be able to get through it. So... It's, it's, it's going to be difficult for him. He's going to have to put a run of... Run of Results in at some point, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think of, of all the um, of, of of all the, the the sort of the run of games and that that we've had this this month coming up is going to be really difficult. I mean, we're sort of in the middle of it, aren't we? Obviously, after the last you know, the couple of games we've just had Southampton and Leicester. Uh, just to give you the games between now and the next international break, we've got Sunderland at home, Leeds at home, Middlesbrough away. And then Cardiff at home, Coventry away before we get into November's international break, which thankfully is the last one until March. <laughs> but those five games, I do, yeah, I sort of think fan wise, if not at board level, a lot of fans will be looking at these five games to commit one way or another with Alex Neal and looking for him to get either three or, you know, get nine, ten points, three wins out of five, and say, right, okay, we can see we're building something. Or if we're picking up, you know, three or four points from them five games, then I think the fans especially is gonna be he's gonna need 
a lot of luck maybe to, to try and pull them back around from that stage. I don't know what you think, Mike. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with what Liam was saying as well as you there, to be honest, Dan. I think when you, you've reeled off them games, I mean, the, the best possible way now for us to to try and heal things, if that's probably the right word, uh, you know, is to go and beat Sunderland. Now, Sunderland are not doing badly. They're going to love the fact that we're not doing great, or at least their fans will, at the very least, uh, that we're not doing great and they're, they're you know, on pretty decent form. Uh, so they're going to be loving that. So I think. If we can get that win, it might give you know uh, the impetus to you know Alex Neil to have confidence in his own abilities because I'm sure he's a confident guy. But you know when you lose and lose and lose and you're trying different things, it's just not working. It's going to knock his confidence as well. So I think that's going to be big for him personally, um, and also I think he's going to get the fans back on side because that's going to be a rowdy atmosphere, uh, you would imagine. So I think that's going to be really tough. And it's a shame that we're turning around and saying, well, the next five games, we really need to get some points because you look at the fixtures, you know, they, they're the bloody hard fixtures in theory. I mean, Middlesbrough seem to be uh, pulling back their form now, uh, which is bloody perfect timing, of course. Um, but yeah, when, when I look at them fixtures, Dan, you know, you mentioned, you know, Leeds as well. Leeds ain't going to be easy. I know they're not having... You know, the absolute amazing season, if I remember right. They can't, can't remember where they are in the league now. But, um, again, difficult game. So, for us to go right, we need to get, you know, ideally three points against Sunderland. You know, I didn't know the point or three against Leeds. Then you've got Middlesbrough, Cardiff, Coventry. The bloody difficult games. And I know, Liam, you're right, mate. We, we do say it's difficult games. And probably because there's always difficult games in this league. But um, I do agree with what you're trying to say, though, because... Come if we are at Christmas in the bottom three. At that point, I think fans have turned. We, we've we've hit that point, and the fans will turn now. Have the the owners got the balls to sack him? If that happens, will they go? We're sticking with him, and we're just going to give him some more money in January to get us through. I guess it depends on their resolve, but um, I, I just I don't know. I just I just think they're very very difficult fixtures. Um, but we could very well be marooned towards the bottom if we're not careful. If, if you're looking at the next five games, you said like about form and stuff. Leeds, by the way, fifth. Um, Sunderland, fourth. So if you look at the last five games, though, uh, we play Sunderland, who are seventh with three wins at the last five. Then we play Leeds, who are fifth with three wins and a draw from the last five. Then we play Middlesbrough, who have got four wins and a draw from the last five. Then we play Cardiff, who've got three wins and a draw from their last five, followed by Coventry, who've got two wins and two draws from their last five, and are in ninth in the form table. So all five are in the top nine of, of the, the form league, if you like. A form league that we sit 17th in, by the way, with one win, one draw, and three defeats. So it's not... All five sides have, have hit a bit of form, hopefully... That means that the way the championship works and everything's up and down, up and down, that they're all due a defeat. And maybe we can just pick them off one by one. <laughs> Wouldn't that be lovely? And maybe uh, pigs might fly down. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, I suppose I'll put this out to anyone listening now. Next five games, how many points do you think we're going to get from them? I think that I'd be very interested to see people's comments. Next five games, put the comment down uh, as well. How many points you're going to get? 
I mean, if I, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you mine, uh, basically. So, I'm going to say we're going to beat Sunderland. I think we'll have five players back. Everything will be really good. So we're going to beat Sunderland. We're going to point against Leeds. So that's four. We'll lose against Middlesbrough. We're going to point against Cardiff. So that's five. And I'm going to go for three points against Coventry. Eight. That might be a little bit... Um, so that's that five? One, two, three? Yeah, I think it's five. Um, yeah, so... I might even be a little bit bold trying to beat Coventry there, but I'm going to go for eight points from the next five games. Yeah, I'm just looking and uh, trying to work out. Yeah, I think I think we'll end with a couple of victories against Cardiff and Coventry. I think we'll beat Sunderland and maybe even get a point at minutes home to Leeds or Borough. So I'm going to say 10, because I am an overly optimistic person, you know that. <laughs> um, we've got, uh, Louis says we're going to get four points. Connor Foster says two. Chris Wallace says 10. He's with me. Good man, Chris. Nice and optimistic. That's what I like. Uh, and uh, Moslet says four points. Uh, Reese Owens says seven. Um, interesting from Kyle, so at Stoke Gaffer. Uh, he says Alex Neal has the second most points of any championship manager since 2016. The most is Gary Rowett. Oh, ignore me. Carry on, lads, he says. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> so, yeah, so it, it, it was all going well, mate. That was a great start, wasn't it, until we found out who was top of the list. <laughs> um, Duncan. Duncan says three points, uh, realistically. All draws as well. He doesn't think we're going to win any of those. Um, yeah, good point from Luis. He says form sort of feels like form goes out the window after an international break. Hopefully so, mate, because ours was, was, was pretty shocking, wasn't it, going into it? So hopefully it gives us a bit of a chance to to uh, you know get back and um, yeah, start again. Uh, Jared Dublin's wife. This space was downloaded via spacesdown.com. Visit to download your spaces today. That's just 15 points. Yeah, screw it. Screw it. 15 points, he says. Let's let's do it. <laughs> yes, I do, yeah. The uh, promotion push will be back on if we win five out of five, mate. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, I know, but Alex Neal's Barmy Army will be echoing around the 365 then. <laughs> um, at HC Football 01, seven points. Yeah. Um, I like it, mate. Yeah, seven. I think. Does everybody. So if, if this is what somebody wants, if this is what everyone feels, how many points do you think he needs to sort of. A minimum. What's a minimum? Do you think the managing obviously? Because I, th- I, to me, I feel that 
he should be given quite a bit more time yet. But I understand that that's that's not the case across the fan base. Is there anyone out there who thinks, like, for example, if we lose to Sunderland and Leeds, that should be it? Or yeah, is, is there is there a point for any people where they think this is as far as it should go before we we have to call it? Well, I'd also caveat that with if you think he's got to go, you've sorry, you've got to give me a replacement. You've got to. You can't just have the the cheap way out and say he needs to go. We need a, repl- a replacement on that. Um, uh, it's, I don't know uh, the, how many how many how many times now have we changed manager. It's not exactly got any better, has it? That, that's yeah. my that's my only concern with me, Dan. Is yes, we can replace managers. You know, we we were a club, a model club that everyone looked at as never changing managers. You know, and all that back then. Whether we got lucky with Pulis or not is another thing, or whatever. Um, but changing managers every five minutes. You know, Watford do it a lot. Look where they are. It's not helped them, has it? Uh, like, there's there's so many situations, and maybe we just need to accept that. You know what? I'd actually wish they would come out and go, right, this is a three-year plan or a five-year plan. And so everyone doesn't think, right, next season we're getting promotion. If they just said, right, this year, consolidation. Next year, we'll try and push through the playoffs. If we can sneak anything, great. And just come out with the, the whole the whole plan for what they what they feel. I know they don't like doing that these days because of having to put timelines and people holding them against it. But um, I just I do think we're very impatient at times. Now, I'm not saying people haven't got a right to be impatient. We've, we've had, as I said, some really shocking years. Um, but I've just not convinced changing the manager yet again when he's just brought all of these players in mind that we're going to have to probably replace yet again, which is going to put us back yet again. It's yeah. it's just a, it's a lot to ask when you're moaning about wanting success now, knowing full well that that will only put you back to square one again. Yeah, I agree. Well, Nigel says seven points, uh, two home wins and a draw at Coventry. Uh, Lewis says, for me, if we win the first game, we're going to roll. If we don't, it won't go well at all. Connor Foster says that he feels that Alex Neal needs at least seven from 15, whilst Liam Burke says he thinks he needs at least nine or ten points. Um, yeah, so Kyle actually says, if you want him gone, you should shout for the board out. It works with past managers much quicker than manager out. It's <laughs> a good point, yeah. If you get on the boards back, all of a sudden they'll uh, divert their attention somewhere else, certainly. And also, uh, Dan, can, um, if I could just make one, one final point on the whole manager thing as well. And, uh, yeah, that's a very good point, by the way, uh, Chairman. You, know, you start shouting with Tony Scholes' head and that you know that didn't go down very well, codes out, etc. Uh, yeah, that, that always, um, always helps. But I've talked about all the players that he's brought in. Let's not forget all the backroom staff that this guy's brought in that follow him around and he knows well and around him. So we're talking about a gutting of the club yet again if this happens. So when people say about the manager going, remember, brand new team's going to be needed again and a brand new whole coaching and backroom staff is yet again going to be needed. And this will all, all eat into the FFP again, don't forget. doesn't magically disappear. You know that that will be eaten up again, so that's less funds for transfers and everything else as well. It's it really is basically rebuilding the whole club over and over and over again. Which actually, I would think that and I said I said at the time when Alex Neal was bringing in his own staff, I understand that you know assistant managers stuff like that. Fine, I do question whether a manager should be allowed to bring in 
every nook and cranny of his own thing. I think what we should have done and what the Coates family should have done, and hopefully, who knows, maybe the surprises and after Alex has gone, they'll be around. But I think they should have brought in members of the backroom team that will be here, whether Alex Neal's here or not, um, for years to come. Because then you're not having to gut the club every single time. So I understand what people's thoughts are, Dan, when they say we've let managers have too much power. Um, and obviously, you know, m- most managers would snap your hands off. Of course they would at that. But is that the right thing? Is that the right way of going about it? I've got question marks on that one. Yeah, I mean, talk, talking to people who've come in, uh, Jared Dublin's Y Scout account, <laughs> uh, he says he's probably going to need on average at least one point a game over the next five before the Neil outlots start getting more vocal. So he needs five or six. Now, Lewis says lots of COV fans and other fans have said it's the wrong manager to back with all this money, as he seems to be an impact manager. And Nigel Warham says we keep sacking our managers and that has got us where we are today. Stick with in this season. You, Mike, how, where do you think he gets a pass to with your eyes? If you are the boy, you are the chairman. We've brought in all these players. We, he's come in, obviously, he's had last season to judge what squad he has got. He's completely wiped the decks. We've started again. We've not started well. When does he have with you until you say, right, I, I feel like I need to start judging you now on what? You know, what's happened this season? Um, I'll, yeah, Liam, we'll come back to you two seconds, mate. Uh, the answer to that, Dan, for me, is the January transfer window. He has until that moment to add any additions that he wants to add on to there, gaps that he's seen, players who have let him down or whatever it is. The, all these players weren't going to work. So in simple, short answer this time, um, January transfer window... If he, if we are in the bottom three, however, it becomes more complicated for me then. Um, I think either way, for him to have a successful season this year, we've got to finish above 16th. Beyond that, I still think he will be the manager, but he was under major pressure next season. Yeah, for me, I think if come, if come the January time and we are, say, let's say 15th, 16th, when we've got a little bit of a gap between the bottom three, I th- at that point you sort of ask, well, what what are you going to gain from sacking him at that point? Because the chances are there's not going to be um, a manager who comes in is not going to get you into the top six as such. So why not give him the rest of the season just to see if he can you know, if the gelling process and the clicking and everything starts. And you get end with a bit of momentum that you can then carry on through the summer, because, like we say, I think we don't need the upheaval of changing the manager if we can avoid it. If we can get this going and turn this ship and steer it in the right direction and start getting some traction in the right way, then that's ideally the the best scenario. And for me, I'd try and give him every chance. I think I don't think we're going to you know, get relegated. I don't think we'll be in any sort of danger of that. I know we currently sit 21st, but I think there's, you know, it's early doors in the season. There's a long way going. I think we will be okay. We've got, we've got good players and we've got a lot of injured good players at the main. So when they come back, they're going to make differences. Again, scoring more goals and that will, will help <laughs> when you look at your Vidigal, May, um, Campbell, players like that. For me, like I say, I'd like to give him 
as much opportunity as possible to do this right because I think that's what's best for the football club is that he gets it right and we don't have the complete upheaval of bringing in another manager, another backroom team, more, you know, another squad of players trying to get off of these out on loan because nobody will want them. And it's the same as we had after you know, the Gary Rowett episode. And also, we've got a manager, he's recruited for a certain style, I will ask you for some names in a minute if he is to go. One minute, one name that's gone around is John Eustace. Now, I think John Eustace is a very good coach. I think he's proven that. I think, uh, you know, the coach, the jobs that he's had at, that he has had, he's done a good job at. I think he's doing a great job at Birmingham. He's shocking that what's happened to him there. And I think if you ask people in, in football, they've all got very high uh, opinions of him. But... I also think he's a very pragmatic manager. He likes to set out a solid defence. He likes the opposition to play with the ball and he will sit back and then he will try and counter-attack and, and, and you know, he's quite defensive, quite sort of, I don't know if negative's a bit too far, but he's quite, you know, solid in how he plays. We haven't recruited for that, let's be honest. We've recruited to be a team on the front foot, a team who like to keep possession, a team who, when they have all settled in, there's a lot of flair Believe it or not, in these players, you know, you, 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 Vinny Gals, your Mays, your, your, your Bay, Haksabanovic, you know, there's a lot of you know, Daniel Johnson midfield and that. And I think that if you then, if you bring in a Eustace, you've got to go and recruit Eustace style players, which again is the, what we've done. We go flip flop from one end to the other. That's the issue. If we're going to replace him, you've got to replace him with a light for light manager. And just hope that guy does a better job with it. Um, yeah, no, for sure. And Liam, sorry, mate, you've had your hand up for a little yes, time. Sorry, Liam. <laughs> I've done a bit of a ramp there, Liam. Sorry. <laughs> Easily done. Um, yeah, I, my concern is we've seen we've seen the owners make some oddly timed decisions before, like with with Michael O'Neill after six games, and we've seen that if Sunderland are in form, they can absolutely bury teams. We've seen it a couple of times now. My concern is, and I just wanted to think what you lads thought of it. There'll be there'll be quite a bit of excitement after the international break. Every home game after the international break, there always is. There's always that little bit of hype, and there'll be five players back, as we say, and there'll be a, there'll be a bit of excitement around the ground. If they come and beat us comfortably, which we've been beat comfortably at home so many times recently over the past couple of seasons, we've got Leeds at home the game after. They could also do the same thing. Where would that? Where do you think that would leave him then? If after a bit of a bit of excitement, again, it'll remind me, of, if you remember when we played Bristol City at home last year, after, that, after the run we went on, there was a bit of positivity around the ground, it filled up a bit. They came and turned us, two, turned us over 2-1 and we just spiralled out of control. Do you think, if we were to lose both home games straight away, would that change your view or would you still be giving him time? Because obviously it's two games out of a lot of games, but if they come and turn us over both home games, where would that stand with you two? Because I'm not saying he should go or stay. I think he'll stay for a while, like you say. He's Coates' man. I think he'll get until at least January. Unless he completely spirals out of control, I think he'll get to at least January. 
Um, but yeah, thinking what you'd like to think. If if they both came and beat us quite comfortably, which they both they're both good going forward teams. They're both really really good attacking teams. So there's a high chance that it could happen. I was just wondering what you what you'd think. Um, I think for for me for me personally, um, uh, <laughs> he would have to win the next couple. He'd have to win a couple of games that nobody expected him to win. I think the problem is we, we, our our home form. I genuinely thought we were turning the home form around, um, and obviously then we've we've kind of gone back to our old ways again. So you're right. I, I think it'd be extremely difficult for him if we got turned over quite comfortably. Uh, the fans, I think the atmosphere would go flat for both. Uh, well, it won't be for Sunderland. I think it'd be noisy, but I think it'd be very flat for Leeds. And if we go one 0 down, he could then start getting really quite nasty. I don't think people would be calling verbally in the in the stadium. I don't think people would be calling him out, but he he'd have to go to Middlesbrough um, and where was it Cardiff uh, and win them games to. Where, where's that? Is that kind of early November? Is that then? I'm trying to think of the dates now. Uh, thinking international breaks taking me out out McKelter, but uh, either way, we'll be going into you know the. Then the winter period, in no doubt, well, well, we would be in the relegation zone by then. We, I'm, I'm pretty sure we would. It's a very difficult situation. But again, I agree. I don't think he's going to go until January, at the, at the very, very earliest. Dan? I, I remember as well what you said about Bristol City last year. Because if I remember rightly, I think Mark was looking at Wembley Hotels at that point for the playoff final. Liar. <laughs> Um, and they, they were, but yeah, I mean, all jokes aside, that was we'd had a great month, haven't we? I think was it four wins and a draw or something similar, and we were every you know five nil win, five one wins, four nil wins away from home. Everybody's thinking, you know, we were back. This is it. Everything's clicked in place. Can we keep this going? Can we get ourselves in the top half? And then obviously, all filtered away. We finished stacked in our perennial position of 16th <laughs> that we that we own. Um, yeah, I think he needs... It can go quite wrong because, like you say, Sunderland, if Jack Clark, again, he, you know, his former Stoke player there, if he comes down and, and plays how he has been playing, I think potentially he's the best player in the division this season so far. Uh, he's ripping you know teams up on a weekly basis, isn't he? And, and if he comes, if they get an early goal, then that could quite easily. If we have to then come out more, and that it could quite easily spiral into say another another whole country three 0 after an hour. Leeds, they haven't been fantastic. They're getting results now. They didn't at the start of the season, but they're definitely you know getting a bit of momentum. Again, they've got the players who, like you say especially in the early goal, they could be 3 up after an hour. Back-to-back results of that, I think he, as, as, as much as um, I don't want to say, don't want to see it, I, I think with the fan base, if nothing else, he's going to struggle to to not, you know, have masses of, of you know, um, booze and abuse raining down on him. And we know from previous managers, Gary Rowett, <laughs> that that's when it changed. I, I also think he's he, he's a man who doesn't hold back with his words either. He like you know if he's got something to say he'll say it, and I think I think if he feels that he's being harshly treated by the fans, I, I think he will bite back. 
I think we've sort of seen maybe tiny chinks of that so far. And, I, and if he starts doing that, then I don't think that will end well either. I hope that, you know, it all stays amicable in that respect from both sides. Um, because, yeah, you'd hate to see another scenario like we had with Rower to where he was, you know, snapping away. I'm not saying that he's like that at all because, you know, I have a very low opinion of that man. <laughs> Carry around, but there you go. Um, Mac, uh, we've got sort of another couple of messages here. Jared Dublin's Y Scout account again says, in my opinion, we power through this season. New squad, new staff. Next season then is where we start to get his collar felt by the family. Last season, post-January, is where we had our best run. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd like to see that happen. Um, as long as we're not in any danger of going down, I think that you know should be what we try and do. Uh, and Louis says, what about Hass- Ralph Hasselhuntel, who's at Southampton? Um, I don't think that's fair on us podcasters to bring him in. You know, we, I do struggle with those those uh, those near long names there. And, Although Dan, um, yeah. we yeah. we did struggle with Haxa Panovic at the beginning, so you get used to it. Now we're all over it, aren't we? Hasselhuntel, Hasselhuntel, Hasselhuntel. I was just what, where we're we going with. We we'll have to ask him. <laughs> um, and it's anywhere a championship club, but we're still attractive with the backing and funds. Just an idea; he won't come though. Um, yeah, and I mean that's the issue. Like I say, Graham Potter. There's like you, you sort of said earlier on. There's no way Graham Potter's. He's turned down half a dozen Premier League clubs. He's turned down clubs in Liga in France. He's just turned down Rangers. He has not turned down all those projects and all those clubs because he's holding out because he thinks Alex Neil might be in a bit of trouble at Stoke. As, as great as he would be in there, right now, he has his start set a lot higher than Stoke. Um, me, personally, I don't know how how far off the mark I might be here, uh, but I think our Southgate's made it quite obvious that he's going to be... No. I think he's made it quite obvious he's leaving the England job after the summer, and I wonder whether... Uh, whether Graham Potter's either making sure he's available to the FA or whether the FA have sort of said to him, you know, don't go jumping in anywhere, Graham, because there might be a vacancy coming up. He was, you know, he's the bookie's favourite for that job as well. So whether they've sort of got some, you know, know something that we don't, I just, I feel that maybe he's waiting for, for that to come up in the summer. That's my thought on him. You know, for a split second, Dan, I thought you were going to say, we'll have Gareth Southgate. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally like, bit, I audibly, I went, no. <laughs> I, yeah. I thought that's where you were going to go with that. So I, I, thought you, I thought you were appalled at the thought of Graham Potter being the England manager. I thought, oh, he's done all right. He's not did too bad. He's good tactically. What's the issue? <laughs> No, um, no, definitely not. And uh, there's there's a few more comments. I'm sorry if I'm repeating any, by the way, or whatever. Just just so you guys know, when when you do comment, they do not Twitter or X does not put them in any rational order whatsoever for us. So, um, but yeah, I think Lewis. We may have said this one, but Lewis says for me, if we win the first game, we go on a roll. If we don't, it won't go well. Um, yeah, Joe says probably going to need an average of at least one point a game in the next five before the kneel out lot start getting more vocal. Um so Luke. Uh Nigel Warham says keep sacking our managers has got where has got us where we are today. Stick with him for this season. Um there's a number of things. Reese disagrees with us saying that the atmosphere is back. So the atmosphere isn't back. 
has been dead since we came down. Away fans have stopped singing. I think he's got until November and then he's gone. Okay, interesting. Uh, and then uh, I think it's Atakadaz, maybe. Uh, it says, uh, what do you guys think of Wesley? You seem like he was going to be a top player for us, but so far he's disappointed. You know what, actually? I think he's got better in recent games. He's, he's certainly... Again, it depends on what you want out of your strike, as I'd probably say as well with that one. So he was never going to be a, you know, a Haksbanovic or a Vidigal type player. You know, he is that kind of more muscle up front. I thought when you think back to the Preston game when we were really, really poor, there was probably only two players that came out with any credit, um, and he was one of them. He was actually putting some effort in. So I do think he's actually grown with us. Um, do I think he's going to hit anywhere close to 10 goals? Absolutely not. If he gets the five goals, I think you've probably done well out of him. Um, but yeah, I think the guys had quality. I think he, he could still very much do a job for us. Um, but I don't think he's anything anything outstanding. Um, probably the best we could get on loan at that particular point. Uh, so yeah, um, I think you've already read that one about form going out of the window. Let's have a quick look, see if there's any more. Uh, have you? Can you see any more your side, Dan? Yes, there's one from Liam says maybe Potter's turned down all them jobs because he wants the Stoke job with a few laughing emojis. Um, I think that's it regarding uh, new messages. Uh, one other name that keeps popping up, and I know I need to speak to you about it, is Tony Pulis. People, every, <laughs> it seems that every time we have a manager who has got a little bit of heat on him or you know some fans calling for him, there's always a certain section of supporters who automatically go get Tony Pulis back. Do do you want to do you want to go on to that, mate? Well, why you feel that would or wouldn't be a good thing to do? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, I think I think there should be a statue of Tony Pulis built. Quite frankly, um, however, he should not return to the football club. I think his style of football has gone in the current game. I don't think there's a place for it anymore. Um, I think Tony Pulis is retired anyway, so I think regardless, would he come out of retirement for Stoke? Maybe, but I just think he'd be tarnishing his own his own reputation with the club. If I'm honest, for me, he gave me some of the best football <laughs> moments that, that I had. I I love Pulis. For me, he will always be the best manager that I've seen in my lifetime. Um, and but there's times where you just got to move on. So, in answer to your question. Love Pulis would not want to see him back. Well, that's perfectly summed up as well. Lewis says, uh, much as we all love Pulis, football's changed and moved on, which is basically echoing what you just said. And Connor Foster says, even when TP is dead, people will still be calling for him to be the next in charge. Um, Jared Dublin's wife's account account. Uh, people need to get over TP. He's not coming back. Anyone really think that any of these players, except for maybe Ben Pierce and Wesley, would fit in a typical TP side? Again, that's. That's a, a great point, and is the, you know we when we are replacing. I'm not saying we do need to replace him now, but whenever we replace a manager, we need to be looking at the direction the club's going in. Is it one he wants to continue going in? And if so, if you've recruited for that, then you need to recruit a manager that can get those type of players, you know, and can bring those type of players on board and get the best out of them. Again, like it's like you're saying there, probably Pearson and Wesley. Other than that, uh, are there, are any of these players Tony P- is as as good as Ben Wilmot is? Is he a purely central half? You know, he's not a Ryan, he's not a, a Ryan Shawcross or a Robert Tooth, is he? Um, you know, I don't think 
you know, Pulis is, is going to be loving Keanu Hoover at, at right back. <laughs> um, but like you said, and I'm with you. Yeah, the man's an absolute legend at the club. I do. I just feel that if you look back at 15 years ago, and the standard of um, ability on the ball that, that footballs had in the championship. And you look at football now, a lot of its plays, you know, it's still a lot more technical. So the, the ball is, is sort of, it is much, it's kept much more. And it, the teams are a lot more patient, players are a lot more patient. Whereas before it was like, well, we'll go forward, we'll go forward 100 mile an hour, and we'll hopefully, you know, if we lose the ball, doesn't matter because they'll come at us 100 mile an hour, then we'll get it back and then we'll go back to them. Whereas now, if, if he's going to sit in a rigid formation, he's going to have his four central arms, two, two holding midfielders in, in the cage, as he does, and and then his teams try and break through. And if there's nothing there, whereas 15 years ago, you probably would have lumped the ball in the box and then his, his central arms would have gobbled it up and then he's played it to some quick wingers who would have bombed forward. That was the style. Or lumped it you know, to, a, to a target man with a, with a Rick Fuller playing off him. What happens now is if there's no ball on, they don't just shut the ball in the box. They'll turn, they'll go back. Even if it means going back to the goalkeeper, they'll go back, they'll recycle it and they'll start again. And if 10, 15 passes later, there's still nothing on, they'll just go back and they'll start again. And they'll just keep doing that. And then so teams are much more patient now. And I think that's why, in my opinion, that's why Pulis struggled towards the end of his managerial career when he was at like Middlesbrough and that Sheffield Wednesday. I don't think... This modern, I don't think his sort of style fits with now, and I think that's probably why he's retired. And also, like, let's be honest, if he was ever going to come and return and um, be the savior that we that we maybe needed, it would have been when Nathan Jones left the club and we had two points after ten games. If he didn't take the job then, because I'm, you know, if, if he wasn't interested or didn't put his hand up and say, you know, do you want do you, do you want me, do you need me, or whatever, then he was never going to do it, was he? Because that scenario was perfect for. A, you know, seven or eight months, Pulis come in, keep us up and go from there kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I suppose we, we've been on for about um, a good hour or so, uh, maybe a bit longer, Dan. Um, do you mind if I just talk about the, um, the whole Coventry City situation, tickets? Yeah, I'll just. Um... Oh, we've got some else to say. Oh, we do full of it tonight. <laughs> no, it's just, I've got some more comments. I'll just do before we go on to. Um, and I'll let you do that. So, Louis says, call him for Pulis, his wife in charge next as well. Um, he's also said, one more point. What about Josh Loren? He's been a disgrace as captain. Um, so, obviously, that's. Uh, those are Lewis's words, not ours. <laughs> um, and then Jared Dublin's wife's counter count said Hoover under TP would be shades of Hofkins all over again. Uh, so, yeah, bombed out, no doubt. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, what Lewis obviously there made about Josh Lenz. So, do you want to just quickly touch on that before we move into um, ticketing? Yeah, and I'm not going to go into too much. We we had a part the other week that we, I mean, we went to town on it. I'll be honest. Um, so for me, I we've got a we've got a captain's curse. I don't know what it is. Baker was great until he got it. Uh, you know, Josh has been the same. We raised Joe obviously Allen. Joe Allen. Like we we raised the video the other week. I'm sure it's still on the timeline. If anyone hasn't watched it, just a bit of analysis around the. The goal or the potential goal we could have conceded to to losers loses the game at Bristol. Um, 
I just I don't know what it is with him. I don't know whether he's taking his eye off the ball, whether he's not motivated for some reason, whether, let's be honest, he's a human being, he's not a robot. Has he got something going on at home that's impacting his, his football concentration? I genuinely don't know, but I think that's there. Again, Alex Neal has got to be the one who steps in and goes, Luke, you're having a bit of a crap time here. Um, I've got Berger. Uh, you know, we've got Pearson, we've got Johnson. I'm sorry, Josh, but I'm going to have to drop you for a few weeks. You need a bit of break. You need to be taken out of the, the firing line. That's where I think the manager's got to take it out of Joshua's hands. And I think by keeping him in there and hoping he just comes good when he's had plenty of time to do so. I, I said that the other week, I think it's bordering on cruel um, at times. And I just think he needs to be rested for at least a while get his hunger back or sort his head out, whatever it is, and then go again. I think that's what we need to go with him. Yeah, I think sometimes players, when you're struggling and then you try, you, you try, sometimes you can try a bit too hard and then I think you just can dig yourself further and further into the rut, don't you? I mean, Connor Foster's comment, he says, disgrace is harsh. Obviously, replied to what, what Lewis had said. I, I do think that is, I don't, I don't personally think he's not trying. I just think that it's just not happening for him. It's just not... It's, look at the midfield as well. Like, Johnson. Johnson's playing so many different positions. He's been moved out all over the place. He's got, he was playing with Johnson, then he's playing with Berger, then he's playing with Johnson again. He's got Ben Pearson behind him, then all of a sudden Ben Pearson's boots after about 10 minutes every week. So then he's a different Ben Pearson behind him, then he's suspended, then he's injured, he's got Jordan Thompson coming in, then Pearson, then he's back to Thompson. And it's like, they were playing with the back four, then all of a sudden he's got wing-backs there, then, then he's got two strikers up front as well. It's like everything's changing. He's got an entire new side, He's got. he's also got the armband. Like you say, he could be something that off the field going on. I just, I don't think for one minute he's not trying his best to pull everything together. And I just, he, he, like you say, if he gets taken out, the other thing is with that, the problem with that has been that Berg has been injured. So there wasn't the opportunity, was there, to take him out because we literally, for a time, just had three fit centre midfielders. Um, three fit and available ones if they weren't sort of injured or suspended. And then, obviously, with, in that scenario, there's nothing the manager can do. He's got to keep playing him. Maybe him dropping there into centre-half, it just changed, just, just that change for him. It's different position. There's not as much pressure on him there because he's not a defender. So maybe that will just you. Know, he had a good game against Leicester. Let's be honest. He's, and I think that might just be the spring that just relieves that pressure, that constant rut of like say digging himself further and further into this hole, trying to trying to get back the form. And then there was what was the, the Southampton game on there where he he had, I remember I said to you into the he had the ball on the edge of the box. I think it was Junior who was looking for him just to slide it between. Sort of the um, the fullback and the centre back. He was making the run, and instead he, he sort of flicks it up over the defender. Like got his foot underneath it and just sort of lofted the ball over, and it sort of bounced and bounced out for a goal kick. And I turned to you, Matt, and I said, "Don't do that when you when you're not in form. Just keep it simple, because 
you're trying. If you, he's, I said he's trying too hard to bring it back. Just play the simple ball there, you know. And, and I say he was just. I just felt to me like he started to try a little too hard. So maybe just take. I'd say just just cut. Now Berger's back fits. Just cut it. Let him come out. Let him have a few weeks just to reset everything. You know, put a bit of an arm around him. You know, because I'm sure the club he'll probably do him good. Have something like. Um, Lewis Baker come back as well because them two seem to get on really well. Then they? they're all sort of laughing, you know, laughing when you see videos and pictures, and whatever. They all seem to be like laughing and joking together. So I'm sure having him back involved in training and that soon um, will be good. So he's, like I say, back involved in the group, and um, you know, hopefully, like I say, because he's a cracking player. As as is Lewis Baker, they both shown what what great midfielders they can be. And if we can get both of them firing with Berger, Pearson as well, and obviously Daniel Johnson, then all of a sudden that midfield area looks completely different. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um okay, cool. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to uh the Coventry uh, kind of tickets now. I mean, we've all we've all seen it uh, doing the rounds. Let, let's let's be honest, and it was something I was going to mention as soon as I saw uh, the actual release of the tickets. And uh, it, it's quite it's quite staggering, really. Um, the whole ticket prices situation. I mean, no, we Stoke charge them twenty five quid. I think the away the, the away fans who, who join us. And there's always a booking fee that this new thing that every club seemed to add on. They say it's to cover charges. I'm sure it is, but they were happy to swallow the charges before, but whatever. Uh, so, you know, th- those bits are on there. Uh, we have to accept that. Um, but when you see the Coventry prices coming out, and what was it, 37 quid a, a ticket for an adult? So if you take in a couple of, uh, you know, adults and a kid or maybe two adults and two children, you know, 110, 120, whatever it is, it's absolutely disgusting uh, for a ticket Cost in, in any division. I don't even care championship. I shouldn't be paying over a hundred quid to go to a football match. It's it's not on. But I think the one standout from the actual palaver is the fact that their under eighteen, so the the kids ticket effectively, is more expensive than an entire season ticket at Stoke. That is, it, there's no words for that. Th- that. Summit's broken in football where we think we can charge stupid amounts of money. I think what was it Leicester? Was that thirty was that thirty-five quid, I think, um, for, for Leicester the other week? Like the problem I you know what is the clubs are the problem. They're the ones who are setting these prices. Um, but I think fans are gonna have to start taking some responsibility here. We moan about thirty-five quid a ticket, yet we go and sell three and a half thousand for Leicester. Like there needs to be a, a point where people go. I aren't paying it anymore. So if we had 3,000 tickets, if we sold 150 tickets, it'd be a very, very clear sign. But again, that is in this lovely, amazing world where we all you know, think about each other and think about the bigger picture. We're all football fans. We want to go to games. Um, and to, to make any difference on a large scale, you would need every set of fans doing exactly that and boycotting games. The fact is it will not happen so that's where you need the bodies to come in and go right we are now going to be looking at a maximum of 20 quid or 30 quid and that is it that includes fees everything fans have not got the power they think they've got um because we can't do it in big enough numbers so 
there's uh, for me that's the only way it can change. What does everyone feel? I mean, you obviously you send your messages in now. What, what does everyone feel is a fair price? Um, do they feel as well that it's you should, should if there's going to be a campaign, would you start with the away fans because obviously you've got the added expenses of you know, the travel and everything else that comes with it. Um, you know, hit that, get get that down to a, a rate, maybe a twenties plenty, will be my preference. Um, and then do you then look at sort of yeah, build you trying to implement that more into like a home sort of areas and that. But for me, I think yeah, Jared Dublin's wife hashtag twenties plenty. Yeah, I'm uh, all over that. <laughs> oh, well, uh, Nigel Warren says West Ham, uh, West Ham, West Brom are being charged the same at Coventry as we are, and it's a TV Monday night fixture, Mike. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, it'd be interesting to see how many tickets they sell for that. I know if I'm a, I'm a fan, I'm going to be honest. I'm staying on my sofa at home. <laughs> I would not be paying that to go and. I mean, what for Josh? What, I'm, not, I'm not sure what would that be. So I'm talking 60 quid, travel. I mean, I know I can get a free Stoke coach. I, I know I'm very conveniently down the road. A lot of fans are not. Well, so West Brom can't do, can they? West Brom well, can't yeah. get a free coach there. No, no, West Brom can't. But I'm just thinking if you think about the whole Stoke thing, we're, we're lucky that we've got free coaches for those who can use them. But for the ones who can't, you know, you, you, you're talking food and drink and travel. Ugh. It's 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 insane. It, it, there aren't really any words for it. We can't really explain it. Everyone knows um, how. Actually, I think Nigel uses a great word. It's scandalous. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Ali Chalner says fifteen pound. So, uh, you know, uh, we've without getting saying too much, we've sort of just put the feelers out to other sort of championship supporters, haven't we, tonight about. The feelings towards these prices and you know a collective because I think if, if something's going to be done it's going to be done on a collective scale um, but I don't you know we'll, we'll, we'll see what, what develops from from the little acorn that's gone out tonight <laughs> um, but yeah on the main street it, it can't you can't continue to pay nearly 40 and sometimes over 40 pounds to for championship, well, for any football really, but championship. I mean, if the Premier League can cap it at thirty pounds, then why are Leeds charging forty-five pound in the championship? Yeah, if you can see the, if you can see some of the best players in the world play massive games, you know, Premier League title deciders and stuff for thirty pounds, yet Leeds will charge you forty-five pound to go Allen Road in the championship. Something's not right there. Uh, anything else? Anything else you want to say, Mark? Any, any other topics you want to go through? Um, I think we've pretty much covered it, to be honest, don't we? Uh, we're working on it. I mean, hopefully everybody who listened to this has listened to the um, the John Rudge interview. I think that was one of the best ones I think we've ever done. And, you know, your feedback was um, fantastic. Uh, we've, we're in the process of lining up a part two. Uh, for for the John Rudge side of things, 
uh, we know a lot of people have asked us about that um, and, and bits. So we are working on that and hopefully that will be out um, early November-ish with a bit of luck. Uh, we'll come back to you and let you know. Uh, we're working on a couple of other things um, as well, so special-wise, which hopefully people will be interested in. Um, so, yeah, just, just keep watching the space. You know, keep on, on, on Twitter. The the normal pods, as always, are going to be back. We, we've, we've not missed a single one in, is it three years, Dan? I think we've always had pod, haven't we? This is year number three, yeah. Yeah, so we don't plan on stopping now, as long as I wake up in time, of course. Uh, <laughs> then, um, yeah, I'll uh, we'll, we'll we'll be back every single week. But yeah, thanks obviously to everyone who's given us the feedback. It, we, we, at the end of the day, without you guys joining like this and without you listening on the pods back, um, you know the numbers have been absolutely incredible. Uh, so, like, without you guys, there's literally, as I said before, it's me and Dan talking, which, uh, quite frankly, would be as boring as hell. So, um, yeah, thanks to to everyone, and there's nothing else I've really got to say at this point, Dan. So, uh, I think we might be good. Fantastic, and it's me thinking you love talking to me. Maybe no. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's everything. So, yeah, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for all your messages, interactions. Thank you to Liam as well for for getting opening his mic up and chatting to us as well. Um, yeah, we'll we'll probably do like I say we'll do another one of these um, probably when the next international break comes round. Uh, if not before, with any sort of major news or developments anywhere that require one. Uh, but yeah, until then, like I say keep listening, keep your eyes peeled for special podcasts and the like. And uh, yeah. If if not, then uh, it'll be Sunderland next Friday. That podcast out. So yeah, see you then. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants. 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.